Sales is King, episode 58. Hey everybody, welcome to Sales is King. My name is Dan Sixsmith. I am your host. And I believe that sales reps have reached a crossroads currently in 2018 and that they can go one of two ways. They can embrace the digital economy and the changes in the buying behavior and consumer behavior. And they can look to try and improve their skills and learn new skills and continue to develop or They can cling to their old ways, the ways that are no longer relevant in 2018 and beyond, and watch their sales numbers decline. And if you haven't done so already, send me an email at dan.sixsmith at gmail.com, and let's set up a brief chat so I can get to know you and discuss some of the issues you're facing, and I'd love to get your input on the podcast and get to know you a little bit better. So let's do that. Getting into today's episode, we've got a new study from Serious Decisions, the analyst firm that focuses on B2B marketing and sales organizations. Um, And there's a new study out that talks about the performance of salespeople, the performance of marketers today. And unfortunately, the results are um, thus far in 2018, not much better than they were in 2017. Um, And there are a few things that stand out that I want to tackle on this report. Um, Three noteworthy things that I want to cover here in terms of um, sales rep performance. Um, The first big one is that 72% of sales leaders say that their reps lack the ability to connect solutions to business issues, 72% of sales leaders say their reps lack the ability to connect solutions to business issues. That one we're going to talk about in l- at length today. Um, let's see what else stood out here. Um, <clears throat> of organizations reported that the length of their sales cycle has increased in the last 12 months. 64% say that sales cycles have increased in the last 12 months. Uh, 27% say it's significantly longer, which is a 30% increase from last year. 37% say it's longer. 31% say it's about the same. Only 6% say it's shorter. I mean, wow, right? Um, That's the second thing. Third point. Only 27% of a sales team's time is spent on directly engaging in core selling activities with customers and prospects. And sales reps in higher growth organizations reported spending 53% more time on core selling activities. So, you know, here you have it, guys, right? I mean, we have been talking about 
much of this stuff for from the very beginning um, in this podcast. And you noticed at the beginning of the show, um, I kind of put out my philosophical belief that we're at a crossroads, you know, and we really are at a crossroads in terms of selling performance. Uh, you either got to get on the bandwagon of what buyers are looking for today, figure out a new way of selling that maps to what buyers are looking for, or you really have to look into doing something different, man. I'm telling you, the stakes are just too high. Every study that comes out says the same thing. But what I'm concerned about is that the, the, the needle isn't moving back in the right direction. So it tells me that there's just not enough training. There's not enough sales leadership that knows what they're doing. Um, there's not enough senior leadership that's pulling on these levers. So, um, you know, and the results are going to be very difficult. Uh, if we don't make some changes. So let's get into a few of these. Um, you know, the big one to me is this 72% saying that their reps are unable to connect their solution to business issues. And, you know, what have we been saying for uh, the past 50-something episodes on what sellers need to do today, right? We need the sellers need to be more consultative. They need to be able to ask effective questions. So, what is this telling me? You know, um, it's telling me a couple of things. I, I think the first thing is that sales reps today are not comfortable even asking uh, the right questions. I think there's still a lot of feature selling going on. Um, and I think, you know, when they do come around to asking questions, um, it just, it seems to me that they're just not doing enough with it or either they're not listening to the answers or they are jumping into their pitch, you know, going back into the comfort zone with, hey, here's what we do. Um, and hopefully this will resonate somewhere. So, you know, I think there's a lot of work still to be done. I think, um, number one, we've got to get reps more comfortable asking high-value questions, understanding what high-value questions are. Um, and then I think they have to become – because, you know, the questions themselves – can be value adds. You know, if we ask questions that are thought-provoking, questions that the prospects do not know the answer to, um, then we've, you know, we've made an impact already. So what I think is happening is that we're going in and asking some of these basic stomach-turning questions, you know, like what's keeping you up at night, you know, um, even asking someone, you know, what are your key challenges, I, to me is just, um, it's white bread stuff. You know, it's, um, it's stuff, it's entry-level questions that everybody's asking and that, um, you know, quite honestly, you should probably know a lot of this information going in, right? Um, I think this is the other issue. Are we doing enough research 
before the meeting? Are we doing enough research on what's going on with the company and the prospect? And you've heard me say this quite a bit if you've listened uh, regularly. Um, you know, our research should be so in-depth that we'll, it will inform our questions. You know, it will show that we know what's going on um, in the prospect's business. You know, and we have an understanding of how to solve that problem. So I want to spend a little bit of time on questions. And what, you know, what type of question should we be talking about? If you haven't followed James Muir, you really need to do that. I interviewed him on episode whatever, back into the episode 40s. He did, a, he did an episode with me on selling into the C-suite. But he's got a great um, article on, you know, high-value questions. And you've got to be an expert. You know, um, subject matter expertise is critical, right? So um, if you are a subject matter expert, you know, it will be reflected in the questions that you ask. Um, and you'll come across as much more uh, knowledgeable. So let's take a, a dive into some of the key dynamics of asking questions. You know, um, one of the keys, according to uh, James Muir, is to make sure we wait and you know, give, the, give the prospect an opportunity to think about the answer. You know, um, the studies say that salespeople only wait about one second for the prospect to answer their question before they, you know, jump back into um, either another question or the pitch or whatever. So I think we've hit on one thing right here. You know, are we even giving the prospect time to respond? You know, are we that kind of hyper or nervous or out of our comfort zone that we're, you know, kind of rapid fire shooting these questions out and then not really listening and then kind of stumbling into the, the pitch? So first and foremost, wait for them to respond, um, you know, and, and really hold your tongue, you know. Um, wait at least three to four seconds. Uh, and give give the prospect some time to think about it, you know. Um, and then after his initial answer, wait another three to four seconds, because sometimes he may be thinking out loud, um, you know, or kind of debating a little bit. So additional wait time after the prospect first mentions um, his answer. So patience is is really critical. Um, and when we do have patience, uh, according to James Muir, um, we get two to five times more information from buyers. Okay? And in addition to that, the clients have a greater experience because they feel like they're engaged in a dialogue and that you actually value what they're saying. You're actually listening and giving them time to come up with the answers. So very important 
um, give the customer time uh, both right after you ask the question and right after they answer. And you're going to wind up getting uh, better information back from the prospect, which in turn is going to lead you to be in a better position to connect your solution to the buyer issues. Okay? So this is hugely important. Um, the second kind of thing you should be doing uh, in these meetings is taking notes. Okay? We talk about active listening um, in our Sales as King platform. Um, this is part of it. You know, you're taking notes, you're engaged, right? Um, and you're able to look at those notes to potentially lead you to further questions or to circle back around later or when it's time to come into the solution. You've got the notes in front of you, okay? So um, very important to take notes. Um, you know, the other thing is certainly, you know, you don't want to come in with an interrogation. Uh, you don't want to come in with a, a, a manuscript full of questions because then it becomes, um, you know, a one-way street. You know, it becomes an interrogation. There's no value add, and the prospect feels like it's uh, um, an interview, you know, with, without someone that's even listening. So make sure, you know, you've got two to three to four highly impactful questions that you can build a whole meeting around. Um, and, and there are some great examples here that um, I'd love to go through with you. Um, you know, some of these can be around the process, right, um, as well. For example, as you assemble your evaluation team, how will you determine which priorities will be most heavily weighted, right? As you assemble your evaluation team, how will you determine which priorities will be most heavily weighted? That's a much more intelligent way of saying, what are your priorities? What are your challenges? You know. Um, next, uh, next question. As you design what you feel will be the ideal solution, what criteria will you use to evaluate options? As you design what you feel will be the ideal solution, what criteria will you use to evaluate options? Very interesting, right? If we know this, we can better position or put forth at the forefront the particular things that the prospect is going to focus on and more heavily weigh in the decision. Question number three. As you reflect on possible trade-offs or compromises, how will you determine which elements will be most important? Okay. As you reflect on possible trade-offs and compromises, how will you determine which elements will be most important? Next question. During your evaluation, what are the steps you will be going through as a company? Right? Another great question. The next one, as you reflect on your progress thus far, what do you anticipate will be the biggest challenges to integrating this into your current environment, right? So thinking about post-sale, you know, what are they thinking are going to be the big challenges? What are they worried about? 
you know, you're you're probably not going to hear this unless you unless you ask that prior question, right? So these are all very very important kind of procedural questions that you should be asking when you get to that stage. Okay, good. Um, so why are questions important, right? Um, several reasons. It'll help you uncover what the buyers value the most. It will help you uncover the hierarchy of each individual's preferences and preferred outcomes. It will reveal personal agendas and influence dynamics between players involved in the decision. It will facilitate new connections in their minds and help them synthesize new understanding. It helps you maintain engagement. And it helps you direct attention to the most important topics. It assists clients in discovering their own answers. It facilitates learning through articulation. It enhances memory. It elicits feedback. And it clarifies issues and eliminates assumptions. And last but very not least is that it really, these questions are going to differentiate you from your competitors in a huge way. This is a much more thoughtful approach um, to going in and being consultative. And you can rest assured that the prospect is going to remember this experience and say, wow, these guys really understand their business and they really care about my business. And quite honestly, they got me thinking um, a lot deeper uh, about, you know, what I really need to solve. So think about those guys in terms of questions, um, the importance of questions, and um, the type of questions, and the way to ask questions uh, that are going to be impactful. And give this a listen over again because I think it's there's some really important information here. Okay, uh, two more points to cover, um, a little faster than the first one, but um, average cycle time is increasing. Why is that? Well, I think, again, it's going to come back down to uh, old school selling. You know, people, salespeople going in missing the opportunity to ask the right questions, to understand um, what's going on in the decision-making process, who the team is, and how to connect the dots faster, um, how to be able to leverage all of the tools um, in order to make these deals happen faster. I think salespeople are fumbling around still with um, – not being consultative enough, going in and thinking they're having good meetings with the right people when they're having kind of shitty meetings with the wrong people. And thus, cycle times are uh, going up because there's an inherent disconnect in what sales believes is happening versus what is actually happening um, in terms of the buyers. And you can go back to many of our episodes where we've done the buyer surveys um, and you can see that there is a disconnect. So the biggest thing you can do in sales today is really be able to go in and better understand the prospect and his business, um, understand the decision-making process, and really have a, a, a true understanding 
of where things stand um, and stop deluding yourself really into um, hoping things are going to work out versus really knowing where you stand. Um, other ways to, to, to um, reduce cycle time is to, you know, have everything available. Like one thing that's typically missing is a business case, an ROI tool, um, you know, that slows everything down. Have that ready. Like, you know, have that information at the ready. Be able to sell value. Be able to handle objections. Like what happens when an objection comes up and you can't, you can't handle it, you know, and then you say you, you're going to come back to them. Game over. Game over probably. You know, and you think there's still going to be another call and then you put, you know, you start chasing. So you got to be firing on all cylinders. You know, you have to be prepared for objections. You have to be able to overcome. You have to sell with value. You have to have a business case. This stuff is not new now, guys. You know, it's, 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 we've been talking about this for a long time. So we in sales have to embrace this immediately. Okay, good. Last point um, is another interesting one, right? Salespeople not spending enough time directly engaging on core selling activities. Um, but the best selling reps are actually spending 53% more time. So, I mean, that's an easy one. You know, you must, you must figure out time management. And when you are, you know, on the field, so to speak, and the game clock is on, whether that's from 8, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m., whatever normal business hours are for your buyers, 7.30 to 5.30 or 6.30, um, I read a study that said um, buyers actually look at emails at between 6 and 7 a.m. So maybe you're not getting up early enough. But you've got to restructure your time management in the digital age. Sitting at your desk doing emails and, and, and putting shit into CRM, um, you know, um, and writing reports, that should not be going on during the selling activity hours. You know, you should be on the phone or meeting with prospects and customers when the game is on, when you're on the field. When the game is over, then you can go deal with CRM, then you can go send emails and prospecting emails. The bottom line is the, the time requirement has changed for a, an elite salesperson in the digital age. Um, the time requirement is not, this is not a nine to five job, okay? Um, or an eight to five job. It's it's a it's a six a.m. to to seven eight nine p.m. type of deal. Or it's a uh, weekend activity, catching up. You know, eight a.m. to to one p.m. on the weekends, uh, writing emails or follow-ups. You know, certainly if there are follow-up emails that are uh, you know require. Uh, your attention, certainly you get to those as quickly as possible during the week. So that's the deal, guys. So there's a lot to digest in here. Um, you know, the three big issues, once again, are reps unable to connect their solution to business issues. And I helped, I helped kind of dissect why that is um, and how you can be more effective in doing that. And we talked about the questions and the process. 
um, of being more consultative. The second part is that cycle times are going up. And I gave you some tools for what you can do to help that and to decrease your cycle time. And last but not least, reps are saying they're not spending enough time uh, FaceTime or you know, direct selling time with prospects. And that is on you, my friends. That's not something that you could say, oh, man, this is a bummer. You know, I'm so busy doing other stuff. That's on you. So you got to refocus your time to become a digital age seller, an effective seller, an elite seller. Change your time management in order to do this. Okay, guys, thanks so much. Uh, another good session here. Look forward to catching up soon. Peace.